Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie Z, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, April 24, 2014. Today we are reading from the Big Book Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 52, the second paragraph. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Adrian, 12 Traditions, Rabia, and our readers are Rick, Marita, and Katie F. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, April 23rd, is 6223. 6223. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Adrian to please read the 12 steps. Adrian? Okay, uh, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all our defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Um, Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And and I um, I hope I didn't mess it up. Thank you, Adrian. I appreciate your service. We'll now ask Rabia to please read the 12 traditions.
Rabia, please press star one to read the 12 traditions. I can do it, Katie, Karen, you? Sure, thanks, Karen, go ahead. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, my name is Karen. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare could come, should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Four, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, or other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thanks, Karen. How are meeting works? Sorry, Katie, Katie, this is Rabia. I apologize. I had a call back in. I couldn't get unmuted. No problem, Rabia. Okay, no problem. Thanks for letting me know. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book Alcoholics Anonymous. We We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing for the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's book, I mean, excuse me, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page 52 at the paragraph we had to ask ourselves. And I will now ask Rick to please begin our reading. Rick? Good morning. My name is Rick. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. 
we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems this same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Was not a basic solution of these bedevilments more important than whether we should see newsreels of live or fight? Of course it was. When we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. Well, what I noticed reading these paragraphs and that the previous paragraph says um, a basic solution to these bedevilments. And then the second paragraph says um, a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe. So the basic solution is a simple reliance upon the spirit, a simple reliance on God. And if we notice, they're not talking about quitting drinking. They're talking about solving those problems and those bedevilments that are in the paragraph above. And I'll tell you, this was some this is some of the stuff that I would kind of skip over when I was reading this. Even when I was at this point in step two, I would kind of skip over it because I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it looked like. It took, it took working those steps to understand that there was a God. And two, it took working those steps to, for me to understand who that God was. So the, the book is, is telling us that God is going to be the solution to all our problems. They're not telling us that every single problem is going to go away and that uh, by working these steps, miraculously, we'll become um, perfect. What, it, what it's trying to teach us is that what these early people in AA did was they realized that God was, was someone that they needed to trust and rely on, and God was the solution to the problems, not ourselves. Um, you know, some some problems have gone away, some have d- diminished. Not every one of my problems goes away. But I can say that today, I do seek God, and I am seeking God and looking for an understanding of his will. And I know that the solution to the problems I have are found by getting to know him. And that's what that's what this book is about. It's not that God is going to um, zap us abstinent, but God is going to be the ultimate solution to our problems. And when I when I understood that, and when I started to to seek God and continue to seek God, I realized that He is the solution to all our of our problems. Yes, we we have a lot of work to do. We have to do our part. But ultimately, it's that trust and reliance that's going to 
get us out of those bedevilments that are up above, and that he's ultimately going to be the solution to our problems. So I'll pass with that. Thanks. Thank you, Rick. And who would like to comment on these two paragraphs? Kim? Sure, Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Um, good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. I mean, that's such a simple concept. You know, we, we talk so much about Bill Wilson because he's the author of most of this text, but Dr. Bob is the one that I tell you I can really identify in with. When Bill came meant to meet Dr. Bob and he told him about the true nature of his illness, Bob said, how did you get this thing? Tell me what to do. And Bill was shocked to find out that Bob had been in the Oxford group for quite a few years and been trying to work these spiritual concepts with no success. It wasn't until he understood the grave nature of his illness and he was going to die that he was willing to submit to these same tents he had been working for years. That's my experience. I had been exposed to the 12 steps since I was 11. My mom's in OA. I come into OA at 27, and after 17 years of being exposed to these 12-step concepts, I came to a new depth, and I came to a meeting where I was approached by those in whom the problem had been solved. Solved. Up to that point, I'd really been approached by people where the 12 steps were a temporary respite from being in the food. So our ideas did not work. That is what propelled me to step two. When I really saw people in whom the problem had been solved, I was able to admit my need, my need for a power. Because everything I had tried up to that point before OA and everything I had tried up to that point in OA had not worked. And even with that, Bob was submitting to this program and he said, well, I'm going to do whatever is necessary because I know I'm going to die from this disease. But that was a men's, I don't know. I'm a doctor. I have a reputation. It could hurt my family. I'm not really sure about this restitution stuff. And after almost a month of working with Bill, he went to Atlantic City, New Jersey, and to a medical conference, and he drank. He drank because he refused to finish the steps or the attendance at the time. And when he came back and Bill nursed him through a hangover so he could do surgery, and then he disappeared, Ann and his wife and Bill were afraid. And 18 hours or so later, he came back and he had done every single restitution because he understood at that point the desperate nature and he needed this power. So what a simple concept. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. And I like that because I have to tell you, I think one of the things that stopped me in my experience is resisting amends. What I often see with people is when they go back to the food after working through the steps is unfinished amends. So our ideas did not work. The God idea did. And that simple posture is going to be the key to freedom if we work the rest of the steps and make this a design for living. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim. And this is Katie G. I'm just going to comment real quick about um, the previous share. I, um, when I when I came to this part, you know, we're in we agnostics step two and. Um, what I really saw, again, like we've been talking so much, right, like I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. 
And what I really was devastated about is where my life based on my thoughts and how things should go had brought me. I didn't know how to not, like, like my fear-based life was the only one I knew. I only knew how to go out there and be a skunk and say, okay, this is what I need. Now I'm going to get it and watch out because here are my bazookas, right? Because I'm abstinent now and I got to get, I got to get it. I got, I have to, you know, get whatever it is that's going to fix me, right? And why do I have these, these bedevilments? Because I am still looking for a human power. You know, I have no power choice control around the food and, and my life is unmanageable, but it's unmanageable whether I'm eating or not. And I love that it says a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe. I don't know about you guys, but I am a complicator. I am a serial complicator. Like, I didn't, I was like, oh, I got to have a reliance upon the spirit of the universe. So I'm going to go out and become. Buddhist or um, Orthodox or whatever it was, right, that's going to get me this reliance upon the spirit of the universe. But the great thing is there's no chapter in the big book called Into Understanding or, you know, Into Finding a New Religion, right? This is a simple reliance. And my sponsor said to me, all you need to do is move through the work. You know, and at that point, you know, our ideas, I, I really was willing to say to my sponsor, yeah, my ideas are not working, but the God idea, maybe it'll work. And I'm telling you, all I knew was that the devastation of compulsive overeating in my life when I was active in addiction and in my life when I was active without the food, but just um, trying to manage my life. And it was phenomenal to think, like, I, I can't even, my brain is too small to even think about how amazing my life could be. Um, if I, if, I, if I allow God into my life. So as the previous speaker said, you know, the way we get to this simple reliance is clearing out the wreckage of our past, making amends for harms and living in step 10, 11, and 12. If you're new, this is a solution that works very, very well. If you're writing, keep writing. And if you're on the other side, you know, let's continue to, to do this a day at a time together. And with that, I do pass. And I'd like to welcome who else would like to comment on what was shared. This is Janice. Hi, this is Janice. Carol. Go ahead. Oh, well, uh, I heard Janice, and then I heard someone else. Carolyn. Leah. Carolyn. Okay, Janice, Carolyn, and Leah. That's our lineup for now. Thanks. Go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> Kathy, um, this is Janice. Um, I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and thank you for your service. Yeah, just very briefly, you know, the first sentence, and just to review, why shouldn't I believe? Why shouldn't I be willing to change my old ideas? Well, just like the gadgets, they didn't work. So when I came in and, you know, I knew I was, you know, I did first step. Well, the second step says just be willing to change because if all these, if everything was wonderful in my life, if I could manage my life by me, then I don't need to go on. I don't even need the program. But apparently for me, <laughs> the, all these bedevilments, you know, I can identify with. But then it says we saw, we saw with our own eyes or we heard with our own ears how recovered Compulsive overeaters became recovered. 
See, this is in hindsight. They're talking about this. So what did they do? Did they rely on themselves, or were they willing to rely on another, a higher power? This is a challenging spot here, you see, because with my experience and with the recovered with recovered people, you know, it says that um, these bedevilments on page 52, if we rely and are willing to believe in the beginning, we will find a God of our understanding, and guess what happens? Promises on page 83. In 31 pages, between this page and 83, that's 31 pages, if I follow, if you follow, well, I did follow the directions in this book with 31 pages. We're going to find promises, which is God's, which is the solution. And most of all, everything's going to change. Yeah, you know, we're a prey to misery and depression, but our whole attitude's going to change. We're going to have promises, and we're going to find, most of all, that we will suddenly realize that God of our understanding is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. What a promise that is. Imagine, here it is. If you don't have a solution, <laughs> try it. This, this, this works. And with that, um, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. And Carolyn, you're up next. Thank you. This is Carolyn. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and I know it. I am just so elated. The, you know... I know that um, for me, it was all about understanding, getting an understanding of God that would work for me. It took me a lot of years to figure that out, a lot of years. I didn't understand why I couldn't get beyond putting hoof to mouth. And when I realized that it was because I needed to develop an understanding of a God that was going to work in my life, then, only then, was I able to put to practice the rest of this program. Because so many times I was able to get abstinent, but so many times I fell off the wagon. And so many times I said, I must be that hopeless case that's never going to get this. But what I wasn't getting was, I had to develop a relationship with God. God had to be the most important thing in my life. For me today, that's what makes it work. God is first and foremost. He's the most important thing in my life. And if I don't have a relationship with him today that's second to none, nothing else in my life is going to work, especially not my abstinence, especially not my program especially not any serenity by any stretch of the means. And just the lip service wasn't enough. I needed to actually walk the walk. And once I was able to walk the walk, everything else fell into place. But it took me many years to get that because I didn't grab on to somebody that had it to say, how do I do this? How do I get this? And my suggestion for anybody out there that's struggling, grab hold of somebody that has it and ask them how it was achieved. Not that they're just abstinent, but that they have a good basis for a spiritual program that is second to none, 
something you see in them that they have the peace and serenity because anybody can be abstinent. But the rest of it all falls into place when you have that peace and serenity. I couldn't be a doubting Thomas anymore. I had to actually take a stance and do action. And the only way that I could do that action was to take the bull by the horns, look at the God of my understanding, and say, it ain't working. I need to change it. And once I was willing to be open to change, then change happened automatically. It just happened. And it's continuing to happen in such beautiful, great ways. I am just continuing to allow myself to be more open and more willing to change. And that's how I keep my abstinence today. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Carolyn. And Leah, you're up next. Thanks so much, Katie G., for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah, Recover Compulsive Overeater. When we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. And I wanted to focus in on on others, and that's exactly... um, you know the message of the of hope that recovered voices bring you know whether it's in maybe a local face to face meeting that you might have or perhaps here on the line um you know recovered fellows just like the recovered people who penned um these pages uh you know we don't discuss the theory of 12 steps you know we we teach how to implement them and we um you know represent those who have walked this path and have been put back together by the master's hand you know you're you, when you go into uh you know a strong face to face meeting or here on the line you know you hear different people different voices we wrap the globe you know some of us are men some of us are women some of us are tall some of us are short black white old young um we have had a particular experience a very specific experience i know that my personal transformation has been a profound experience that began in 1987 and continues to evolve. And my human words are inadequate to describe that experience and, and the resulting perception of my reality. But it, but it is the result of the program of, you know, of recovery. The 12 steps represent this process of spiritual awakening. And their real advantage is that they are a very specific method of of action steps that result in producing this personal transformation. And it's a, a change in the way a person thinks, in the way a person feels, in the way a person behaves, and it's done to the person, not by the person. That's what differentiates us from self-help groups. We're put to get back together by a master's hand, not by my own doing. Yes, I'm responsible to take action steps. That's true. But it is um, a power greater than myself that has um, performed this transformation. And, and this method is very precise, and it's without dogma. 
I mean, here we are all coming together, and we're never exclusive, but we're totally inclusive of all religious orientations um, or even no religious orientation. <laughs> That's the 12-step program of recovery. You know, and, and I had gotten to a point where the results of my living, right, it says, um, you know, our idea did not work. What was my idea? My idea was self-sufficiency, self-reliance. That was my personal idea. But I had to look at the results of that. The results of self-reliance have been terrible. You know, I had to take an honest assessment of my life besides getting pummeled by this disease. You know, I, I was experiencing isolation, deep depression, suicidal thinking. You know, I was unpredictable. I was irresponsible. I was unreliable. I was inconsistent. Uh, you know, I, I had an inability for any personal intimacy. I mean, those are just to name a few things. And here were people, those in, in whom the problem had been solved, these were people who had a way of life that expelled the obsession to drink or to compulsively overeat and enabled them to become happily and usefully whole. Well, I had to compare those results to my results. And, and, and this chapter and these steps began to work on me. It began to rearrange my mind and open my mind. Um, this mind that I had that kept taking me back to that which was killing me was now walking a path that I had never walked before and experiencing a God that I had never experienced before. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And who else would like to comment on what was read? This Larry. is, can I share? Sure. So I heard Bella and then I heard Larry. Did I miss anybody? Wonderful. Okay, Bella, we'll start with you. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Kathy, for doing this service and thank you very much, everybody on the line. I love this paragraph and uh, definitely the word we. We, such an empowering word. And yes, before the program, I didn't know the word we. I knew only the word I, the self-centered. Yes, I was the only one in the world. I wanted to control. I wanted everybody should be like me. I was unhappy. I was I, I was embarrassed, I was blamed, and I was blaming others. I was judged, and I was judging others. And I was afraid for my own self. I didn't know who I am, and I was afraid to find who I am and where I am. And thank God, thank God, not anymore. I am not anymore in the me and I level. I am in the we, and this is the recovery. When we are we, no more running away from myself. Yes, we are all here together, and we see here on the line, we are so many people, so different from each other, and, and, and even though we are we, we together, and this is the solution. When we saw others, you know, what means when we saw others? In any relationship, it's at least two people. So when I am in the program and I see 
other people, oh, they are the same as me, they are going through the same experiences than me. And there is the other side that is me. Yes, I can give also to the to the we. I can share my experience, strength, and hope. I don't have to be afraid from any relationship because we are here all together. We are here, we, the we. Now, what is the we? There is no human power. We are all here human. And it's such a wonderful feeling to, to be able to say, oh, yeah, I am sorry, I did a mistake. It's not only me. We are all here with our limitations, and we are here to learn new things because we don't know everything. So who knows everything? Only the power of God. Yes, and it's not somebody that I can be jealous because there is no human power. We are here all together. We are united to be connected to the higher power, to the power of God. And thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And then we have Larry. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning, Larry. Recovered uh, compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, yeah, I like everything that was said. You know, doubt um, is the word that I'll focus on here. You know, because doubt is like a debilitating disease in itself. It, it leaves us, um, it leaves its victim helpless and hopeless. And that's, you know, and that's where I came into this program. You know, I, um, you know, look, I, I was a guy that I, I couldn't scratch together more than a few days of sobriety you know, usually maybe one or two, you know, but it, but it talks about, but the God idea worked. And, uh, and I, I don't know why it works. I used to really need, I had an inner need. I don't know if you can relate to this, but an inner need to know why it worked before I was to embark upon anything. I wanted it, it, I wanted it clearly explained to me why this works. Because if it didn't pass the smell test for me, of course, I'm the smartest person in the room. So you better convince me that this works first, then maybe I'll try it. You know, and, and that was a level of doubt, a feeling of uncertainty where I lacked conviction. I was very um, hesitant to believe that this, this was something different. A lot of distrust, a lot of fear. I lived a fear-based life lot of apprehension, you know, so I, I sat like on the sidelines in the periphery, you know, maybe, you know, sort of seeing if I could feel your heat a little bit, maybe it'll rub off on me, you know, and uh, listen to your message. And, and then I'd go off and I'd stuff my face another day, another dollar, another bag of something, you know, the same old thing. It was Groundhog Day, like the movie. You know, it was the same thing. But the God idea worked, and it, it talks about, you know, in the doctor's opinion, that our ideals must be grounded in a power greater than ourselves if we are to recreate our lives. And uh, what, what was great, what I kept coming back to is what it said, that once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems, he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol, the only effort necessary being the required a few simple rules. 
that seems really like hopeful to me, but at the same time, a bit scary. Wait, that, that maybe that's true, but I don't know if that would work for me. See, I, I practiced this program. Kind of, I call it the Veruca, you know, from Willy Wonka, the first one, you know, and you know, it, it's it, Daddy. I want an Oompa Loompa, and I want it now. I want to feel better now, Daddy. You know, I mean, that's what I wanted. I didn't. I wanted to. Maybe I'll I'll work these steps a little bit, but I better feel good now. You know, and and if I don't, screw it, screw it all. You know, and that's not my experience. My experience is I was to feel uncomfortable for a long stretch, and and uniquely, and you know, I thought that that was unique. It wasn't. It wasn't. A lot of people that go through this program feel uncomfortable for a long period of time. And addicts uh, don't like to feel uncomfortable, not for a second. You know, so so then I began to question and more doubt would roll in. Maybe this doesn't work. Maybe I'm mentally, you know, defective. But, you know, but basically, you know, did I, you know, manifest this spiritual awakening? No, no, indeed I didn't. God did. I just worked these steps as if my life depended on it because it did. And when I did, all, you know, everything changed. Everything changed. So not only can I easily put the food down, I don't struggle, but, but now, you know, I'm a, I'm a better man, a better father. I, you can, if I give you my word, it really is true. You know, I'm, I'm honest. You know, I'm congruent. I'm walking the walk and talking the talk. I never did that with anything in my life. So very grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Larry. And who else would like to comment on what was read before we move on? This is Sharon in Colorado. Yes, Sharon, please go ahead. Thank you, Katie. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And um, that paragraph when we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, um, we had to stop doubting the power of God. And the idea, uh, the God idea did work. And that's what I have um, been given the grace to experience as a result of coming in and listening to this program on a daily basis since July of 2012. And, um, you know, what was interesting to me is this paragraph above, boy, I could really check off all of those many, many years ago when I was in another program, but I, over the years, um, even though I was not able to stay stay stopped regarding the food, I didn't see that uh, the deep seriousness of these issues in my life at this time, and it wasn't until I started working through the steps, I saw <clears throat> how the restless irritability, the resentment, the self-seeking, all those things were so still ingrained in me. So it was the process of God showing me that I still had that mind that uh, was not in reliance on him, but I was still trying to do a lot of things in my own strength to no avail, of course. And so um, this program has given me the privilege and the freedom uh, to be 
by God's grace, stopped one day at a time. And that was something I had never experienced when it came to the food. So I'm very grateful today. And, um, you know, yeah, our problems don't go away right away. I still have to do many step uh, tens. I work on the meditation. Uh, that is something that has helped me from the beginning of, of my my journey into these 12 steps many years ago. And then being of service to others, that sacrificial love that I knew nothing about. I knew nothing about that kind of love. Um, you know, I could barely sometimes love my own family, much less somebody anybody else. And, and that love had so many conditions attached to it. So I'm just so grateful to be here today. I'm so grateful that we just keep going through this book because I need to hear it over and over again. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie. Thanks so much, Sharon. And we'll move on now. Marita, would you pick us up where the reading left off? Yes, I will, Katie. Thanks so much. This is Marita, compulsive overeater, recovered in Virginia. The Wright brothers' almost childish faith that they could build a machine which would fly was the mainspring of their accomplishment. Without that, nothing could have happened. We agnostics and atheists were sticking to the idea that self-sufficiency would solve our problems. When others showed us that God's sufficiency worked for them, we began to feel like those who insisted that the rights would never fly. So Bill is, um, is uh, bringing us through this logical progression through his, through his discussion and argument about why we should believe as opposed to not believe gently bringing us towards this understanding that we can be like the little children and have the faith that something like this could happen for us. You know, this miracle that the Wright brothers had the faith that they could fly, I mean, that was, that was, that was totally um, out, of, out of anybody's understanding of reality. Nobody knew that people could fly with these machines, but these guys had this, um, they had this powerful belief, and it was uh, kind of, it was an unquestioning, it was a thoughtful, because they were engineers and they were working on the problem, but it was beyond reason, because everybody who was a reasonable scientist at that time had said, nope, can't happen, isn't going to happen, close the door on that. And it makes me think of um, the faith that we are being asked to, be, to uh, become willing to hold. You know, this is step two. Are we uh, able to come to this belief or even willing to, to move or seek this belief? This belief that we're being asked to hold is one of childlike faith, which means um, I'm not questioning I'm not trying to find the answer. I'm not looking for, you know, positive proof in the microscope. I am instead standing in response to something that I perceive, and it may not be a visual that I see. It may be a feeling that I feel, but I am standing in response to this thing, offering my openness to whatever this spirit of the universe, you know, the, the great force of nature, whatever it is, because I can see positive proof of it in those around me. 
and I can see the I can see the miracle happening all the time, not just in our program, but in so many aspects of everything that we're surrounded by. Just the fact that my body is breathing for it for me when I'm asleep, that my my blood pumps because my heart keeps beating. None of this is in my control. It's just happening for me all the time. And the the people that study the mathematical buoyancy and stuff of, like, bumblebees, they're like, you know what, those things shouldn't fly. But they do. And when the cocoon is happening and a caterpillar is all curled up in this silk coat, you know, before it turns into a butterfly, it turns into bug soup. It is completely dissolved and then recreated inside that cocoon before it pops out. That kind of transformation, that is what we're talking about. That's the change that we all look forward to. This transformation is not something that I do for myself, but it's something that I allow to have done to me. And that's the faith, that childlike, exuberant, accepting faith that we are asked to begin to act as if, even if we can't actually do it yet. That's, that's, the, that's the mission. That's the focus. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thanks, Marina. And who would like to comment on what was read? Marcella. Jean. Sally. Sure. Great. I have Marcella and then Sally. Marcella? Jean. Good, mor- Good morning. Good morning, oh, Marcella. Jean. Hang on yeah. one second. Marcella, um, Sally, and then I heard Jean. Okay. Sorry, Marcella. Excuse me. I just wanted to acknowledge that. So go ahead. Excuse me. No apologies needed. My name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm so happy. I feel the freedom. I'm just, I feel the joy. Um, I'm living in a normal weight body without cravings and resentment free. It's just such an unbelievable life. So I came to believe that the the Wright brothers could fly. We come to believe every day different things at different times. Um, I distinctly remember when my dad was trying to uh, teach me how to ride a bicycle. I see all the kids riding in the bicycle, just laughing and enjoying themselves. And yet I couldn't believe that I could perform such a skill. And my dad was a very talented man with words. And he was trying to explain to me step by step where the foot go, where the muscles um, exert themselves, where the eyes went, where the where my body should balance. And, and in trying to follow his directions, I just kept falling and falling and falling and falling and falling until he says, feel the wheels. When I, when, when I heard those words, feel the wheels, then I got it and I came to believe that the experience of riding a bike could be mine as well. And behold, I started riding my bicycle. That's exactly my experience when it comes to the obsession being removed and coming to believe in the collective experience of a vision for you. <laughs> I came to his to his room saying, oh, yeah, whatever, yet another weight loss program. Uh, let's see if that works. <clears throat> it might work for you. It won't work for me because I'm terminally unique. I'm infinitely complex, and um, I'm an immigrant. And on top of that, I'm Jewish and Mexican. It will work for you, but not for me. Well, 
as I just follow direction simply and and not out of virtue because I had absolutely nowhere else to go, the experience of the obsession being lifted has been granted to me, has been granted to me. What if my marriage just keeps showing up so that the program can be downloaded onto me? My recovery will forever or ever, ever be new. Unlike the experience of riding a bicycle, you know, you say that you never forget how to ride a bicycle. Unlike that experience, unlike the experience of being completely used to see airplanes flying above me and I don't even raise an eyebrow, I will forever be amazed that such an addict like myself can make peace with my body, with the force, with you, and with God. I will forever be in awe. And for that, I need you. Uh, you can have recovery without me. I cannot have recovery without you. And for that, I pass. Thank you, Marcella. And Sally, go ahead. Thank you, Katie. Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. And um, I want to speak to uh, these last sentences in this paragraph. We agnostics and atheists were sticking to the idea, I'm sticking to the idea that self-sufficiency would solve our problems. When others showed us that God's sufficiency worked for them, we began to feel. And I'm going to just stop there. It's interesting to me that here we see the... the uh, the choice of self-sufficiency versus God-sufficiency. We see it again on page 68 at the top of the page where we reviewed our fears. And so much of our fears are connected to our self-reliance because we are not enough. On page 68 it says, we asked ourselves why we had them, these fears. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. I wasn't enough. And in the next paragraph, it gives us the opposite. It says, perhaps there's a better way. We think so, for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. And so back to this paragraph on the bottom of 52 and 53, when others showed us that God's sufficiency worked for them, we began to feel. And I must say, I... I did not call myself an agnostic or an atheist ever. I I never thought of myself as an agnostic or an atheist, but I was a self-reliance person. I totally relied on me. I also believed God could do it for you, but he wasn't going to do it for me. I'm so sure that God could do it for you, but was he going to do it for me? Because I knew all my flaws and I knew all of my shortcomings. And I had these preconceived notions that how could God love me? I could have a hard time loving me. And when it goes on to talk about um, when others showed us that God's sufficiency worked for them, we began to feel. I just am mesmerized by how it says we began to feel. First of all, when I turned to the food for so many years in my self-reliance, that was my solution. I couldn't selectively numb. I was just numbing everything. I didn't feel better when I turned to the food. I just didn't feel as much. And that was, that was a good thing for me. But it says here that when others showed us that God's sufficiency worked for them, we began to feel. And so as we put the food down, we begin to feel. And it, and it may not feel good initially, 
it might actually feel very scary because these are a lot of new feelings that we've been numbing for so long. That is my story. I was numbing for so many years. I was turning to the food as my God to numb myself that I didn't feel. But when I started to turn to to God sufficiency, when I was willing to turn to God, I began to feel. And more and more, I become more and more comfortable with what I feel, and I'm learning to trust. It's a new way of thinking, and it's just like the Wright brothers with their flying machines. Who could believe, you know, it talks about, you know, well, birds were meant to fly on top of page 52, the, the very first word, birds. You know, birds were meant to fly. Were we meant to fly? Well, it's a new concept for some of us. It was a new concept for me because I was entrenched for over 50 years in self-reliance. Here's this new concept, God sufficiency. And I can tell you from my own experience over these last 22 months and over 80-pound weight loss, it works. It really is very freeing. And I just want to invite you to stick around. Don't be scared by what you're, what you're hearing. Just stick around. It's a new idea. It was a new idea for me. And it may be a new idea for you. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Sally. And Jean, we'll have our final comment with Jean, please. Thank you. Um, uh, thanks for your service. This is Jean, recovered in Oregon. And I'm just uh, struck here in this material of uh, the idea that once again um, the big book is first setting up the problem with the unmanageable life in the bedevilments paragraph and then following that with the idea that the problem can be solved, that we have a real nasty problem here caught in the trap of the sticky wicket, but that there is a way out. And um, the way out that that uh, the big book is describing for us, of course, is anything but a self-help program. You know, I, I tried all my life to redouble my efforts, to bail myself out of some weird place that I knew wasn't right. And the harder I tried, the more caught I I found myself. You know, I'm a fixer. I'm a compulsive person. I'm, um, if something's not working, well, I'll just give it more energy. I can make this thing happen. You know, all these these active verbs with me as the subject. But what the big book is telling us over and over again about the mental obsession is that we've got a sick mind here, and a sick mind cannot heal a sick mind. Um, but my tendency running scared was to hang out there in that driver's seat. My meditation teacher uses the car metaphor and says we've got to we've got to get out of the driver's seat and just relax. But I had the steering wheel gripped. I had the pedal to the metal. I'm a pedal to the metal kind of gal. And there I am going down the road and I and the bumpier it gets, the harder I hang on and try and steer and just brought me uh, nothing but more misery in life, of course, which is precisely what my higher power understood was the only thing that would 
snapped me out of it. Um, but it was in the the relaxing of the hand on the wheel, the taking the foot off the pedal, and discovering, oh, gee, life still runs. And yes, it doesn't run exactly like I wanted, and sometimes not even close to it, but it runs, and I can have, and here's the last point I'll make on this, um, I can have the faith. I don't have to believe it 100%, because by golly, i got to wait for some evidence here, you know? But I can have the faith. If someone says, hey, you know, my dentist is pretty decent, he's done a good job for me, well, I have some faith that if I go to the dentist, that same dentist, you know, they, they, you know, they help my friend, they can help me too. And so I, I have that faith, um, just like the Wright brothers did, that, in fact, there is something outside my mind, my sick mind, that I can access to help soften here, to uh, hold on to, that will finally uh, free me. And um, I, um, as everyone has said today, I've walked the road of misery myself year after year, decade after decade. And to finally come through is um, nothing less than uh, I've just never thought I would. And I'm grateful for the precise directions here in the big book and a fellowship and sisterhood that studies it so diligently um, to continue that journey. And I'll pass. Thanks, Jean. And thank you to everyone who has shared today. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Katie F. please read A Vision for You? This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past, Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.